Welcome, Jubilee readers, to a Thanksgiving episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the only podcast that breaks down hard-hitting dialogue such as, hang on, Belushi, help is on the way. Joining me this week is my turkey-loving friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, great. Went ice skating with my daughters. Uh, big plans to go to the in-laws tomorrow. Honestly, though, I, I don't have time to fully devote myself to this podcast, What? GMC. What? Uh, but I, I have a very competent guest for you. Ooh. Here to help us is Rob Gennario. Tell us a little about yourself, Rob. I am a big reader, but it has been a while since I ventured into the comic books. Uh, as a young man, I, I certainly had plenty of Spider-Man action figures and certain, certainly had plenty of Spider-Man comic books, but I am excited and it has been a great time to jump back into the literature. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. James B., I've got to take off. Why don't you uh, tell us about these Wait, books? Wait, where, where are you going? I have important things to do. I'm terribly sorry. I'll be back. You're like Peter Parker running away in the middle when, when things are important. But I'll be like the characters in the in the book and not really seem to care that yeah. much. Don't ask too many questions. I promise I'll be fine. All right. I'll just call you a coward behind your back. You go away. <laughs> me All and, right. Well, me and Rob can take care of this. Good thing he's here. Wonderful. Rob, today we will do eight. That's right. Eight Marvel team-up books. We're doing the listeners a solid. And remember, Spider-Man is actually in three books right now. The main title, The Amazing Spider-Man, the kind of offbeat Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and this team-up book. So let's see what random writers and artists had Spidey doing stuff in 1978. Why don't you do the first intro for us? From July of 1978, Stan Lee presents Marvel Team-Up 71, featuring Spider-Man and the Falcon. In Death Garden by Kunkel, Wenzel, and Green. Captain America has been poisoned. The Falcon erroneously blames Spider-Man, which justifies the hero fight, before they work together to invade a heavily guarded lab on Long Island. Spidey gets the antitoxin from Plant Man, and then Red Wing, which is the bird for Falcon, by the way, steals the villain's gun. Nick Fury at the end tells Spider-Man, even you public menaces can occasionally help out us good guys. What a jerk. Rob, the notable moment I noticed was Spider-Man takes a henchman costume. He puts it on over his costume, but then he realizes his mask is going to show. So he has to like roll up the mouth part of the mask. So, you know, you couldn't see who he was Spider-Man. Did you notice anything yourself that you want to talk about from this book? Yeah. You know, James B., I thought this scene really illustrates the big league, little league discrepancy between Spider-Man and the Falcon. Spider-Man infiltrates Plant-Man's layer with uh, this spiderweb trampoline move he uses to jump over the gate. And then he knocks out one villain, puts on his costume, lures out a second henchman, working his way to finally meet Plant Man. And after all of that work, Falcon just bursts through the glass and shows up. <laughs> it's true. In these eight books, Spider-Man is not always the main hero. Like, he did a lot in this book. This was definitely a Spider-Man book, where in other books, Spider-Man really takes a back seat sometimes, and you wonder why he's even there. Let's see if the second book is one of those books. It's from August of 1978. Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 72, featuring Spider-Man and Iron Man in Crack of the Whip by Mantlo, Mooney, and Watanabe. Spider-Man gets taken out by a villain known as Whiplash when the cops arrive. And he wakes up in the hospital. Iron Man tells him that Captain DeWolf, which is James B.'s favorite character, by the way, kept Spider-Man's mask on. 
Iron Man flies while Spidey rides in the Dunesburg shotgun to the Magia base. At the base, they find Captain DeWolf's brother, Brian, who once again is acting like a villain. See, uh, Rob, he was the Wraith in a four-part Marvel team-up earlier, so you don't really know a lot about him, but you'll... It's hard to follow sometimes. Because he can't control his mind force, Spider-Man fights Whiplash, uh, Jean gets knocked silly, but in the end, Brian, who is sort of a good guy, sort of a bad guy, helps his sister with Whiplash by making the villain believe snakes are attacking him. The cops arrest Whiplash, and then everyone lets Brian, who's sort of a good guy, sort of a bad guy, go. Notable moment in this book for me was the henchmen announced they're using mercy guns and drugged bullets. Uh, what did you think of this book? So that was actually my favorite scene in the entire comic. In the <laughs> beginning, Spider-Man gets hit. He goes down. The car runs right over him, and he clings to the bottom a la Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. And that would have been cool on its own. But then, completely in his bag, Spider-Man moans, I have just enough strength left to. And then he flips the entire van. He's just at the top of his game here in this comic. I think this one here was the hardest book to follow if you didn't have previous information. This whole information about the brother and Captain DeWolf and he's sort of sometimes he possessed. I, I, I felt bad that you had to get through this book. Now, there are other books coming up I felt bad you had to read, but I suffered along with you. But at least in this one here, I knew a little bit more than you did. Did you find yourself wondering what's going on or did they do a good enough job of telling you a little bit about these characters well i think whiplash juxtaposes the wraith so well um early on whiplash you know has the opportunity to finish off spider-man and he kind of refuses to do so citing uh it is not like citing the name of art um <laughs> even though his real beef is with iron man and then the camera kind of switches over to brian DeWolf, aka the wraith and on the other hand, he has his own sister hypnotized mm. and is going to send her to a very gruesome death. It gets pretty dark there for a while. Um, they're just really different supervillains, I'm sorry. Seeing them both in the same comic really painted a nice picture of, of who each of them were in relationship to, it, to one another. James B., I thought the third book was pretty easy to follow. Oh, hey, Eddie. Thanks for joining us. I haven't heard from you much. Uh, do you want to do the intro for the third book? I'd love to. From September of 1978, Stan Lee presents Marvel Team-Up 73, featuring Spider-Man and Daredevil in a fluttering of wings, most foul, by Frederick, Gamal, and Perlin. Names right? Yeah, I know. All... I got broadsided by that. I'm like, wait, I don't know any one of these names. <laughs> Peter Parker is just sitting down with Matt Murdock to discuss providing for Aunt May if something happens to Peter when the owl flies overhead in a chopper. Murdoch hurries away, scolding himself that his new client was most likely Spider-Man because no one else could have a heartbeat that strong. We'll go back to that, I promise you. Uh, and hopefully he didn't give himself away by rushing off. Oof. The owl retells how he survived his last encounter with Daredevil as the owl's henchman set a trap. Unfortunately, Spider-Man arrives as well. The trap is supposed to be for Daredevil. The owl tries to use Professor Kerwin as a hostage, but it backfires when the professor stresses the owl out, which causes electrocution to the owl's pacemaker, immobilizing him. The notable moment for me on this one was the owl's like, do something to me and I'm going to hurt Professor Kerwin. And Kerwin's like, no, no, I'm actually in cahoots with the owl. I can't be a hostage. 
do your worst. I've never seen that strategy where a hostage says, I'm not a hostage. Don't worry about me. Uh, just, you know, new technique. Yeah, the owl. I have a lot of thoughts on the owl, uh, James B. We got time. Let's go. Yeah. So first of all, I really love his whole operation. Everything is owl themed. He's got like an owl wristwatch. <laughs> He's got an owl helicopter. His lair is referred to as the airy. Um, you know, he is not dealing with regular old arms dealers to supply his army. This is thematic through and through. I was a little critical of his uh, trap for Daredevil <laughs> once he once he kind of infiltrates his lair. He uses these like hologram birds, mm -hmm. which Daredevil doesn't even notice, <laughs> and it really wonder really makes you ask, you know, who is the owl planning for here for real? Because mm. Spider Man seems to be the only one who has any struggle there. But yeah, I mean, the owl. I think compared to some of those villains we read in previous comics leading up to this one, he really is a different tier of villain. I believe he's going to have a all out war that's going to last many issues against ironically, The Vulture. It's going to be in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, around 60 through maybe 75 or so. So that's probably like five years off, which in our podcast is not that. It's not five years off. It's probably like, uh, you know, four months away from now. So The Owl is going to be very prominent in the Spider-Man books. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a pretty good book. What'd you think? I thought so too. Um, I did... I also nitpicked the uh, the initial meeting of Peter and Matt. Um, I've had to reread that part a couple times. Uh, I, apparently, Peter contacted Matt Murdock to be his attorney. However, though Matt Murdock, after leaving, realizes that the person he was talking to was Spider-Man, he somehow never got his name. He, he specifically mentions knowing that it was Spider-Man, but not knowing his secret identity, despite having this business meeting, which I felt to be a little bit dubious. This is so dumb. We need to talk about it. All right, Eddie, I think it's time for So You're Saying There's a Chance. All right. Possible that Peter had made this meeting at the last minute, he had just it was a walk-in client, and then yes, you know, Matt Murdock was willing to accept him at the last moment. So there is wow, it's possible he didn't catch his name. But all right, is it possible that there's a chance? Wow, I, I'll give it to you this time, James. But yes, all right, all right, okay. Thanks for helping me out with. So you're saying there's a chance? Well, I think the next book was absolutely my favorite of these books. And that was from October of 1978. Stan Lee presents Marvel Team Up 74 featuring Spider-Man and Stan Lee and the not ready for primetime players in Live from New York, It's Saturday Night by Chris Claremont, Bob Hall, and I believe our first female actually acknowledged in the credits, Marie Sauervin. Sometimes um, they have women doing colors or letters or they give them an initial, but this is the first time I see Marie Sauervin, an actual you know, uh, an inker or penciler is a woman in there, which is nice to see. Yes. Peter's big date with MJ. It's good to see they decided to bring in some of the secondary Spider-Man characters. Uh, ends with them attending Saturday Night Live. Meanwhile, actor John Belushi has accidentally received a mystical teleportation ring in his fan mail. And the Silver Samurai has been hired to retrieve this reject Cracker Jack prize, as Bill Murray calls it. That's our third Cracker Jack reference recently. 
James B. Cracker Jacks has paid for advertising in Spider-Man comic books. They do. Wow. <laughs> Peter changes into Spider-Man and learns that the ring that they're looking for is stuck on Belushi's finger as villains are searching for it. Uh, the villains are the samurai, uh, Silver Samurai's henchmen, and they tangle with all the actors who happen to be in a variety of costumes as Marvel heroes for that's like the sketches that are going on because Stanley is the guest. Uh, no one gets hurt. The henchmen are all defeated. And in the end, the samurai gets the ring and he teleports away with it. And an angry MJ tolerates Peter's absence once more. My notable moment here is that Statler and Waldorf were in the audience. Did you catch that? And do you know what I'm talking about? I totally missed that. I want to go back to find that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm shocked that your notable moment wasn't the Silver Samurai fighting John Belushi's famous SNL character, the Samurai. In fact, I felt as though the entire comic served as a vehicle for that one scene. It was almost like, like why else would you have Silver Samurai at an SNL skit unless it's to fight John Belushi dressed as the Samurai? You are absolutely correct. That is exactly what the purpose is of this entire book. Someone said, hey, let's have this Silver Samurai fight John Belushi. How would you make this happen? And everything else leads to that moment. However, <laughs> Statler and Waldorf are in the audience right at the beginning telling MJ and Peter to sit down because they can't see. And, you know, these are the old men from the Muppets for those who are listening who don't know who they are. And they're, a, they're people. They're not like Muppets, but... They're supposed to be them. And like, if they're going to go all out with Saturday Night Live, you might as well throw in Statler and Waldorf as well. Well, after this, I think the books start to go slightly the other way. And it begins from November of 78. Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 75, featuring Spider-Man and Power Man, who we referred to earlier, in The Smoke of That Great Burning by Chris Claremont, Machio, Byrne, and Gordon. Uh, Peter is trying to patch things up with MJ at a disco, when baddies show up called the Rat Pack, which uh, Rob is some kind of arson mob that shakes down landlords. If they don't pay, they get their place burned down, I presume. Uh, at the disco, they not only find Spider-Man is there, unfortunately for them, but they also find Luke Cage. Uh, when the heroes confront the villains, a series of fires are like lighting up buildings. And Spider-Man and Luke Cage, along with the EMTs and the firefighters, are trying to save people and control the flames. There's all this fire going on everywhere. And the book kind of ends with a tribute to the fire department of New York. And there's one fireman, and he's being taken away in serious condition from his work this evening. Uh, my noble moment from this one would be when MJ attempts to introduce Andre, her old hairstylist, to Peter. Andre grabs her and gives her a huge mouth kiss before she can even finish her sentence. The the Rat Pack weren't really notable villains, but that was a real sign of disrespect to Peter Parker from Andre. That was not a little kiss. That was <laughs> that was an open mouth kiss for sure. I actually thought this was probably my favorite book oh, of the uh, of okay. the group. Yeah, I thought the artwork in the beginning, that first scene where you see Spider Man, but even more so, I think it's the second page of the comic. It's this center panel where you know spider-man is kind of painted yellow in flame and it's just a very striking uh image so let me interrupt you did you like and listeners the book kind of starts off with the fire and kind of flashes back a little bit did you like the book because of the art that was done by you know machio burn and and company or did you 
enjoy the book because of the fire department tribute or did you enjoy the book because it was like a different kind of book? Like what made you enjoy it? So honestly, Luke, if it was a movie, I feel like Luke Cage should have won the Oscar. The way that you meet him in the first scene, he he's off to the side and, you know, you just kind of you just see his voice, you know, in, through the through the speech bubbles. But then he he has this really dramatic turn uh, and he's got this like this heist, this uh, like Heisman winning jawline. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just this really, really likable character. And the entire time, I feel like I feel like in a lot of them, Spider-Man is the star here. I felt like Luke Cage was clearly the star. The conflict with the Rat Pack, I don't know. I could have taken it or left it, but um, the the chemistry between Spider Man and Luke Cage, I thought was was really notable. I thought that was my favorite part of the comic for sure. I can't disagree with you. I thought it really was a good book. I I, I like seventy four a lot. Seventy five, it, it was it was fine. I wouldn't have thought it was so bad, but the two books after it are so awful that I started to think to me, eh, all these books are getting worse after 74. But you're right. I, in hindsight, 75 is not so bad. I'm going to do 76 and 77 together because they're not uh, very good and we can save some time. So here we go. From December of 1978, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 76 featuring Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in If Not For Love by Claremont, Chaikin, Acklin, and Ortiz. Oh dear, another Doctor Strange book my least favorites. Well, Doctor Strange upsets Clea, his disciple slash lover. Uh, She gets attacked from another world and Spidey, Wong, and Miss Marvel, yeah, she's there, all show up to help. Doctor Strange takes them to New Orleans where they meet Marie Laveau, the Witch Queen of New Orleans. Uh, The book ends with Doctor Strange leaving his body for the astral plane. Notable here is Spidey decides his spider sense at one point was just, hey, I must have just been a false alarm. Uh, Peter, stop doing that. Uh, I'm going to jump right in, like I said, and do from January of 1979, Stanley presents Marvel Team of 77, featuring Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in If I'm to Live, My Love Must Die. Very similar titles, by the way, by Claremont, Chaplin, Acklin, and Ortiz again. Uh, Spider-Man is still trying to protect Doctor Strange from the villain, the Silver Dagger, who has possessed, apparently, Marie Laveau and trapped Doctor Strange. While Spidey and Miss Marvel battle the Silver Dagger on his plane of existence, Doctor Strange finds himself battling his love, Clea, in the astral plane. Spider-Man is being dragged into the astral plane and somehow imposes his will on the orb, which gives everyone a chance to break free and destroy all the bad guys and restore all the possessed good guys to health. I think. The end. Notable. Returns good. And Doctor Strange is like, I thought you were possessed. And she's like, uh, well, let me kind of explain why I'm not. Exactly. And I was like, "Mm, I don't even get it. So, Rob, let's not waste too much on this, but give me something from these books. So I had a tough time with these ones as well. Um, The astral plane is kind of difficult to parse, uh, but what makes it a little bit more complicated is some of the the exclamations uh, Doctor Strange gives throughout the, the, the comic. He says the following lines are all direct quotes. Demons of Damak, Dormammu's <laughs> demons, Great Agamed, Great Agamedo's eye, the name of Vishanti, omnipotent Oshler, bands of Ciderax, hosts of Haggith, shades of the shadow demon. I have no idea what any of those things are. And Doctor Strange was basically saying them the entire time. I do believe the bands of Ciderax were the the weapons that turned Kane Marco into Juggernaut, but that 
that might be incorrect. I thought the bands of Ciderac were the opening band for Kiss during their Asylum 1985-1986 tour. <laughs> but I could be mistaken. Pretty good. You know, I, I don't want to do anything else with this book. these books. Uh, how about you do the intro for me for the last one? From February of 1979, Stan Lee presents Marvel Team-Up 78 featuring Spider-Man and Wonder Man in Claws by Kunkel Perlin and Giacoi. I think Wonder Man's going to get a TV show soon. This is a really deep character that uh, has a lot of issues, so I look forward to that. A bunch of birds are attacking Spider-Man, and he decides to follow them. They lead him to a battle between Wonder Man and, from Marvel Team-Up 38, the lame villain, the Griffin. Uh, Terrible. Uh, Here's the rub. Look, the Griffin apparently now retcons to get stronger when he gets attacked. So, of course, Wonder Man shoots lasers... At him, and this Griffin character gets less human and more powerful, more beast-like. The monster version picks up a large airplane over his head, and then because he's an animal, uh, he sees fire and goes, oh, I'm scared, and then drops the plane on his own head. Uh, Notable, Spider-Man says, no one could have survived that, so I guess that's the end of the Griffin. Yeah, good job, Spider-Man, just walk away. Rob, tell me something. Yeah, so I felt like there were a lot of... uh archetypes that could have used a little bit more uh, ingenuity here. Um, Wonder Man, while I don't know much about Wonder Man, he kind of just strikes me as, uh, you know, repainted uh, Superman. Uh, He's got a bunch of powers. He otherwise seems like a pretty normal superhero. And then on the other hand, we have the Griffin, who is, you know, your classic average goon who makes a Faustian bargain with a mad scientist and now he has all these superpowers. He's got the claws. He's part man, part monster, super strength, etc. Um, his control over birds is never really <laughs> explained with any clarity. Uh, but, you know, it's the classic, here's a couple of good guys. Why don't you fight a monster comic book? Rob, and you, it, of course, the... ends in, you know, like a Frankenstein tragedy as he drops the airplane on himself and, you know, in theory, theoretically at least burns underneath it um just too bad for him but rob the good news is that you've finished all eight books you can now go back and read marvel team 38 and you can read the origin of the griffin and this first appearance in spider-man strong pass well griffin's not the kind of character that you would uh even want an action figure of but i gotta tell you guys there is some action figures coming out because this is a Marvel TMP, which means it's sponsored by Tinkbop Toys. And I'd like to ask you guys, do you love toys? Well, the Tinker has gathered three Marvel TMP villains, I mean experts, to help design the newest line of Marvel TMP action figures. Monster creator Baron Lugivungshop, the Mad Thinker, and the Puppet Master have lent their expertise to create the toys kids want to play with and collectors want to collect. This eighth set has not three, but four figures. That's right, we're back to four. From this classic run of the most famous heroes and villains. It includes, from Marvel Team 75, Rob, it's MJ's hairstylist, Andre. Oh, no. Not him again. Yeah, he is probably the most devious villain we've come across in all of these <laughs> comics. And if you need someone's hair to work on, from Marvel Team 76, it's the Witch Queen of New Orleans, Marie Laveau. They wrote two comics about her. She's got to be at least somewhat valuable as a yeah. character. Doesn't come with tarot cards. From Marvel Team Up 74. Oh my God, is this a Miss Marvel figure? I've, oh, hold on. It's actually Lorraine Newman from Saturday Night Live dressed up as Miss Marvel. 
I definitely would rather have the Dan Aykroyd action figure from that same comic. Yeah, it's not not available here. Uh, there's a villain, so we have someone for these guys to fight against because these guys are sort of good guys. From Marvel Team Up 71, the most talked about villain today, Plant Man. You know, here's a sign. Here are two signs, actually, that you're probably not the greatest villain in the comic. One is that your entire outfit is monochromatic. The costume and the cape, the exact same shade of green. He has bracers with fur coming out of them. The bracers and the fur are also the exact same shade of green. Mm. And in case you needed another piece of evidence that makes you uh, doubt the legitimacy of this villain, before he does anything, he needs to explain to the reader what his powers are. (laughs) Not a great sign. Also not a great sign that I'm reading the copy from the sponsor and I can't even remember what Plant Man looks like. And I'm literally podcasting about him this podcast. There is an actual, a bonus figure, but the note here says it's something special for Eddie. So we're going to take care of that later on. Because uh, Eddie, of course, as we know, has run off and hopefully he comes back soon. Rob, I want to thank you for being here, helping us out. Do you want to promote anything of yours at this time? Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't have any social media, but I I do write a weekly article for a Magic the Gathering website called quietspeculation.com, and there is a link to my latest article in the notes. That's right. We put a link right in there, so if you scroll down and click on that link in the show notes. Uh, We do have social media. You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B, joined by Eddie and Rob. And remember, listeners, if you're ever trying to hack into Doctor Strange and you don't know his password, you might want to try Hosts of Haggath, Shades of the Shadow Demon, or the Great Agamedo's Eye. Goodbye. 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 Rob, thanks for stepping up and doing eight books. That was crazy. Yeah, it was a lot to read, but you know, when you jump in the pool, you gotta you gotta go all the way in, I guess. <laughs> I I don't think we've had eight ever in an episode, so it's 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 trial by fire. Uh, you know, you said speaking of fire that you really did enjoy the fire department. Was that your favorite book, or did you just like it more than I liked it? I I really thought it was pretty good. I felt like I was really gripped, especially in the beginning of the story. Um. The, like I said, the Rat Pack, they just didn't – they were very low stakes as villains. But I just thought Luke Cage was probably the coolest character in any of the books with the possible exception of Dan Aykroyd. And, you know, that's really – I feel like what I was looking for was just those small moments where it, it really pulls you back into the comic and, you know, makes you feel like you're a kid again. Hey, you said that you, your uh, article's on Magic the Gathering. How did you uh... – how did you decide to start writing articles on Magic the Gathering? So I've been playing since I was, you know, off and on since I was uh, in sixth grade. And, you know, during the pandemic, I had stayed home and I was kind of investing some time into it online. And, um, you know, afterwards, I, I went back to my local shop and I met somebody or I saw somebody who I had spoken to or at least, you know, spent some time with before, uh, you know, COVID struck. And. Um, he had mentioned that he was editing for this website and I 
also really enjoy writing and I figured it would be a great opportunity. And, you know, we talked about it and we found a spot for me on his team and it was it's become a nice little hobby, you know, a nice little, nice little project to work on, which you know, was a lot of fun. Is your wife going to listen to your podcast? She said that she would. Yeah, she's going to, she's excited. I've, I've told my brothers they're, they, you know, they're, I don't know how excited they are, but I'm sure they'll give it a listen. Speaking of excited, Eddie, I know you were coming and going a bit tonight, but you, you did your best and I have a Thanksgiving gift for you. Do you have Marvel Team Up 71 uh, available to you? Can you go back to it? I do, yes. I wanted to say, you know, thanks for being my podcast partner. And with the help of Tink Bub Toys, I want to say happy Thanksgiving with a special action figure. Now, Eddie, we've been doing this now. This is the eighth series. If you, You've been asking over and over again, I, I, which is the figure that you've really been waiting for? I'm ready for Spider-Man at last. Well, Eddie, you're, I, I, it took so much effort, but Tink Bump Toys is giving you finally a Spider-Man action figure, special one made just for you. It's going to be unique. Eddie, if you can look at page 19, this is the okay. Spider-Man figure that they uh, chose for you. <laughs> is it the one where Spider-Man is in the purple uniform? Correct. <laughs> Correct. is. So- Oh, it's a Spider-Man who's not dressed as Spider-Man. In fact, there's no distinguishing feature that shows him as Spider-Man. But in the book, he is dressed as a henchman. So this is Peter Parker as a henchman, Spider-Man. And oh. Eddie, he has his costume on inside there. You know that if you read the book. I, I hope I can take the henchman costume off. But I'm very fearful Tink Bop isn't going to let me do that. Well, happy Thanksgiving to Eddie and to all the listeners, and I hope you enjoy your special edition Spider-Man action figure from Tink Bump Toys. I have to be grateful, right? Thank you.